but there are a few things usually that don't go understood. Many people have no idea where Bratislava, Slovakia is, so if you can pretend you're in Europe and try to find Vienna, Austria, that's a little more well-known. We live about 45 minutes away, and we fly out of the Vienna airport, which is between us, so that may help you. And for those whose history may be a little older, it's in a country that in 1993, before 1993, was called Czechoslovakia. But that's been a few years back. Um, media content management. I've seen people's eyes glaze over with that one too. Basically, media is anything you can hear and see and view. In my case, it's usually audio programs. It can be stuff for radio, be things which you would hear on your cell phone, on a website. Sometimes people get them on USB keys or SD cards. Sometimes people hear on FM stations, shortwave or AM. A lot of different ways media is consumed. And so my part of that is to make sure the logistics of it happen in the back. It's not real exciting stuff for most people like databases, satellite channels, antenna directions, but that's my job. And if I do my job well, then the people who are trying to speak their heart and speak hope to the world can be heard by the hearts of the other end. So my job is to be a connector. Maybe if you've traveled to see family or friends, it's like the highway that goes from your hometown to them. I'm just the highway. But, you know, you can drive on me all you want. <laughs> but you want a reliable highway, don't you? So my job is to make sure that work happens reliably. And my specific direct responsibility, I have two. One is I am the Bratislava site director, which sounds like more than it is. It means my neck is on the line if we do something wrong, illegal. And I get to sign a lot of papers. Um, the other one is I oversee the media content management for TWR Europe, North Africa, the Middle East, and Central Asia. And because I've been around for a little bit, which is... If you're going to be really harsh, it could mean that you're getting old. Or in other words, it can mean you're maturing and have experience. I get called in for other things. This spring, rather suddenly, um, the leadership of my department in Asia disappeared. It became unavailable. And so short term, I got to connect to that. And now I'm in the teaching, mentoring, guiding with the new director just because I happen to know it. And I also am, by God's grace, have a very, very reliable and trustworthy small team in Bratislava. So I can trust them. I don't need to mind everything they're doing. And I'm also working with three or four teams on a global project we have to change all the hardware, all the software, all the whole system we have to change what I'm doing. And when you work in well over 200 languages, in all regions of the world, it's a bit complicated. In my region, plus what we do for Asia, we do about 90 languages a week and probably about 400 hours of programming a week, although I have no idea how to count all the internet and cell phone programming, to be honest. I'll use one example. We rebooted a ministry for the country of Iran. We've had it for many years, very effective, but there were people working, but nobody really to coordinate and lead it. And so, very beginning of this year, we found somebody, and they're doing it. But you get to train people, what are your standards for audio production? How long is a program? How short? What does it sound like? Also, 
In some countries, internet works. Some countries, it's a death sentence because it can be tracked. In some countries, shortwave is great. People want to hear from something outside because with government restrictions, they don't trust anything inside. In some countries, AM works, and we do AM at about 20 times the legal power in the U.S. You can hear, we can cover major countries with an AM signal. But that depends on what the people listen to. So media content management involves all these different kinds of media and get, taking the same audio or similar audio and getting it to where people can hear. Because if you're getting it where people, get, get a great signal where people aren't listening, that's not real helpful either, is it? So maybe that will confuse you thoroughly now. But by God's grace, for instance, one of the things is um, the new director of this Persian ministry said, can you give me samples of all the programs you've aired like for the last three years? Not every program, just some samples. So he did it and basically they found out one of the reasons they weren't getting much listener response is since the previous person had been in charge, about 80% of the contact information at the end of these repeated programs was inaccurate. So the first thing is we changed the contact information and are getting significantly more results from people that want to respond to the message of hope. So you can ask more about that later. Going to read. This should all be in English. I tried to check that yesterday. Last time I spoke, it was in Slovak. If it's wrong, just please be patient and smile. Um, the main message today is from John 21, 1 to 19. If you want to have your Bibles open, you can, but I'm going to read some of it now, and some of it will pop up during the message. Afterwards, John 21, 1 to 19. Afterwards, Jesus appeared again to the disciples by the Sea of Galilee, and it happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, who is also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Canaan, Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were with him. I'm going to fish, said Simon Peter. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got on a boat. But that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples didn't realize it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. So he said, throw your net out on the right side of the boat and you will find some. And when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. And the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It's the Lord. And as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and he jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in a boat, towing a net full of fish, for they were not far from shores, about a hundred yards. And when they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of fish, 153. It's interesting, another translation says 150. We can say a lot of fish. That's the approximation. But even with so many, the net was not torn. And Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask who sit and say, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came. He took the bread and he gave it to them and did the same with the fish. 
This was now the third time that Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. And when they finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. And again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my lambs. The third time he said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and you went where you wanted. But when you're old, you'll stretch out your hands and somebody else will dress you and lead you where you don't want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And he said to him, follow me. I need to pray. Dear Jesus, this is a text we know. It's a text I've prepared. And I know people have prepared their hearts to come here. But even in this next time here, if there's something you want me to say or not say, please tell me. And if there's something you want to say to our hearts, please tell us and help us be willing to answer and respond. Amen. This is a really familiar text. And in the last couple of years, I've heard at least three messages on it that I can remember. And the message was specifically about the question, do you love me? I don't know. Did you happen to have this message last week? I'm just, <laughs> I just struck my mind. I'm in deep trouble if you did. <laughs> but I'm not going to speak about that part. There are many deep and important and theological topics and concepts in these words, but today I want to emphasize something else. We often look at Peter and his reactions, but what's really most important is to look at Jesus, what Jesus says, what Jesus does, and learn about Jesus. This all happened shortly after Jesus' resurrection, and the disciples were confused. They walked with Jesus for three years, and their lives were focused all around Jesus. They saw the miracles. They saw how clearly and powerfully he explained the scriptures, and they'd seen his power, his love. They'd seen his tenderness and mercy. They themselves were participants in that miraculous life. They saw thousands of people following Jesus, and they followed him. Jesus only chose 12 people as his personal disciples. And they personally saw everything and experienced everything up close and personal. But for the disciples, everything changed. Jesus was betrayed just like he'd prophesied, cruelly rejected just like he'd prophesied, and crucified just like he'd prophesied, and they hadn't understood it. Even though he rose from the dead for the disciples, now everything for them was unknown without him. They went back to what they knew from the past. They went fishing. It was an activity they knew very well. But even in that, they weren't successful. They didn't catch anything all night. And in the morning, Jesus came to them, and he knew how to catch fish better than they did. Even though it was something they'd done all their life, he did it better than them, and he didn't rebuke them. 
We have the idea that Jesus always wants to rebuke us. He wants to love us so much. He took care of their physical needs, which was food. And now it's time for questions. It was a Jewish way of teaching to ask questions, and Peter is now the leading man. Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? I'm sorry, should I be moving the slides from up here? I didn't know. Okay, I can do that. Uh, I think it's this one. We'll find out. Peter, do you love me? More than your closest friends and family? We're made for relationships. And as a trinity, God himself has a relationship as a concept built into who he is. And he's made us in his image for relationships. It doesn't matter if you're an introvert or an extrovert. It doesn't matter if you're experiencing happiness or sadness, victory or loneliness, emptiness or joy. You need relationship because the Lord God himself created you that way. Jesus' teaching starts with Peter. Peter, do you love me? That's a relational question. and In fact, it touches on the very most important relationship, that with our Heavenly Father. That is the basis for any relationship. And Jesus knew exactly how Peter would respond. Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Don't forget, Peter had just expressed his ultimate loyalty to Jesus and then promptly denied him three times. It must have been very embarrassing for Peter to say again that he loved Jesus. And when he heard that question... He probably heard the rooster crowing in the background. We hear our failures over and over, don't we? Look how Jesus responds to Peter. I hear this question very often, Daniel, do you love me? The wording is a little different, but the meaning is the same. Daniel, do you love me? Do you want to do what people like? Or do you want to do... Do you want to do what I tell you? Daniel, do you love me? Do you want to continue in that secret sin and have temporary pleasure? Are you willing to give it up and let it go and have a full life with me? Daniel, do you love me? Daniel, do you love me to such an extent that you're willing to tell your friends about me, even though they probably won't like it and they won't want to be your friends later? Daniel, do you love me? Are you willing to live in solitude? or alone, or lonely, and are you willing to be content with only me? Daniel, do you love me? Daniel, when you get up in the morning, do you talk to me first? Or do you look on your phone for somebody else to talk to you? Practical questions. Daniel, do you love me? Daniel, do you trust my plan, or do you do what you do naturally, like Peter, and just go fishing? Are you willing to let me change your life and habits and desires? Take care of my sheep. That means Peter was given a job to do. He had something, an assignment. Jesus has asked the question about Peter's love for him because it was the basis for every other task and challenge in Peter's life. And he asked him three times, and three times Peter had said that he loved him. And in response, Jesus gave him a job. He gave him something to do. Peter's love for the Lord leads him to action. Feed my sheep. Take care of my sheep. 
Even when we love the Lord, when we want to obey Him, we prove it by our actions. Feed my sheep. Care for my sheep. Jesus is known as the good shepherd, but Peter wasn't a shepherd. He was a fisherman, and there's a difference. And in his job as a fisherman, he had to catch the fish and take them and sell them. For sheep, he had to care for them, lead them. It's a long-term action. It's different. Jesus often has a role for me or for you that we might not naturally be able to do, and maybe we don't even want to do it. So we get to rely on his strength, and he will be with us. And he will help us do it with his wisdom if we are willing to remain in his presence. For many of you, this is the first time you've seen our family without a wife or mother. When Lynn was in the hospital in Vienna, we learned after 70 days that there would be a chance to bring her home for a few days at least. And Yudika, who's a nurse from our church, gave me a long look. Our pastor, Danny, did the same thing. And TWR's HR director looked at me and they all had the same question, Daniel. Are you willing to give up your job and take care of her needs full time? On one hand, it's hard because caring for everyday needs of people, health care, physically, is not something I can do. It's not where God has given me abilities. It's completely beyond any gift I have. But at the same time, it was a simple decision because 20 years later, I made a promise, right? Many of you made the same promise. But like Peter, from whom caring and grazing sheep was 100% unnatural. All that the God, Lord wants from us is for us to stay in his presence, in obedience, doing what he says. Peter, take care of my sheep. Health care. I'm not good at that. And he told Peter, follow me. The good news about following Jesus is you're always with him. You're always in his presence. To walk with Jesus is to obey him, and it always means doing something in response to his love. For example, the disciples were sent to proclaim the kingdom of heaven. They divided the bread and the fish, and they handed it out. And then they got to collect the leftovers and see the blessings from obeying their Lord. The disciples were sent for a donkey, and they had to book a room for the Last Supper. Maybe it doesn't sound like exciting ministry, but I don't know what God has for you. Sometimes it means sitting and being quiet to stop being busy, stop overstimulating ourselves. And the Lord once explained this when he visited Mary and Martha. The apostles then, and sometimes God asks us to perform significant spiritual service. In Mark 6, the apostles were gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had heard and done. Then, because so many people were coming and going, they didn't have a chance to eat. He said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. And in the preparation for the journey to the cross, in Matthew 26, Jesus went with the disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, please sit here while I go and pray. And he took Peter and two sons of Zebedee with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And he said, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. We can be quiet. We need people. And we can hurt, just like Jesus did. Faith sometimes doesn't mean doing something in the classical sense. It doesn't mean we're being productive and efficient. 
By faith, though, we follow God in whatever he says at all times. This means that we must be near him in private prayer. Maybe we're just sitting. Maybe we're being silent. Or maybe we seem like we're only physically present. But we can wait and be quiet in his presence. In my life, one of the changes is I'm at home a lot more. It's kind of necessary right now. Could we prosper if I was still running all over? Or could we survive? Yes, I think we'd all survive. Could we prosper? I don't think I would, much less anybody else. If that's God's will right now, that's fine. In the kitchen or doing laundry or taking care of media distribution from the computer, which I do a lot from home. A lot of us in Europe did that from home for the last year and a half. It doesn't matter as long as I'm in his presence and doing what he said. Through it all, it seems one of the things that happened, and I was astonished, was that I became a bit of a prayer magnet. People would come to me, and they're just people I didn't know or would open up a lot more about deeper things to pray about. It's a lot of fun, because I can do that at home. I can do that anywhere. It's kind of an awesome responsibility to be trusted. Friends, well, I'm not good. with our COVID situation in Europe and family situation, I wasn't going to be going all over with friends. So a lot of them were limited or enhanced by phone, text message, being online. And one ministry chance was that for about a year and a half, I led an online small group for people that that was really about the only way we could meet. For some, it's the worst. Some, it's the best. But that was what God had for me then and for them. Only in God's presence can we listen to his quiet voice. Only in his presence can I whisper to him and say everything maybe I'm scared to confess to other people, anxieties or dreams, secret desires, sins. Only in his presence can I really rest and experience spiritual healing, my mental and emotional healing and peace. In verse 7, we read that then the disciples who Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. And as soon as Peter heard it's the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him and jumped into the water. Peter acted right away. Peter wanted to be near his Lord as soon as possible. This wasn't the first time. In Matthew, the disciples were in a storm and they saw Jesus walking on the water. What happened? Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come on the water. Come, he said. And Peter came. And Peter said, tell me to come to you and come. And Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water thinks because he wasn't thinking, it's because he was looking at Jesus. And when the wind came, he was afraid and began to sink and cried, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. Peter made a lot of mistakes, but he understood one thing that was really, really important. He understood that the most important thing was to be in the presence of his Lord. When he was afraid and began to drown, do you know that feeling? He wanted to be close to Jesus. Peter didn't get mad. The Lord didn't get mad at Peter. What did he do? He reached out his hand to save him. That's the kind of Jesus, the kind of Savior we have. In spite of these things that happened 2,000 years ago, there's still a message for us. We can learn from history in this case. I'm going to get where. Peter, we can ask, these are the questions Jesus has for me. Do you love me? Do you love me above everything else? 
more than your dreams, more than your husband or wife or children or friends. Do you love me? And then he asks, tells us to take care of my sheep. Jesus has an important role for each of us. He has an important role for you. Are you willing? Are you willing to trust me, he says. Are you willing to trust what I can do through you? You may never believe it. Follow me. It's not a really big message or complicated message from God, is it? Follow me. Only in my presence will you ever be truly satisfied. Only in my presence will you have peace. Only in my presence will you have hope. Only in my presence do you have salvation. Peter failed many times. But Jesus still invited him into his presence. Our failures don't matter to Jesus. He wants you. He wants me. And I have to remind myself of that because I can finally hear the voices of the failures. Do you ever hear them? And Jesus says, follow me. You can experience that today. It might be the first time you've really walked into the close personal presence of Jesus. Wonderful. Maybe you've been there and it's hard. Not sure you want to go back. Not sure you can't go back. Not sure he's accepting you, but he is. Just like he did for Peter more than once. Maybe you want to be in his presence and I encourage you to do it today because he's waiting for you. And you're welcome. Thank you.